welcome to episode 74 of Bee Boomer Unleashed. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and for all the episodes of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Today's episode, The Evolution of News and Journalism, Part 3, an interview with Jed Flowers, Part 2. Before we get into that uh, pre-recorded interview with Jed, let me remind you, as I always do, where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at beboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on Google Play and iTunes at Unleashed. You can find us on iHeartRadio at b.boomerunleashed. You can find our link on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram at bboomerunleashed and on Twitter at bboomerunleash1. And as always, we encourage you to drop us a line at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. And leave your comments, suggestions, criticisms with us there, and suggestions for future episodes. And as always, if you'd like to be an episode on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast, give us a suggestion on what you might like to talk about, and we'll do our best to build that podcast around that topic and have you as our guest. Well, last week we had part one of a two-part interview with Jed Flowers, who is the Director of Communications for Cabell County Schools. This week we're going to pick up about where we left off in that interview. So without further ado, let's go to that interview with Jed Flowers right now. It's like anything else. You know, you got good actors and bad actors. Oh, yeah. Good teachers and bad teachers. Good you know. teachers, bad teachers. Good cops, bad cops. I mean, right. you know, it, it, the, right. the world's full of them for sure. Right. Which kind of brings us to another point here. And, and um, you talk about this code of ethics, and we talked a little bit about that in our first episode. You know, the face of journalism uh, has certainly changed over the years. The code of ethics, as, as you uh, journalists refer to it as is often left in the dust. Uh, what's happened, Jed? What you know? I mean, what in the world has happened? I think corporate consolidation is a big part of it, because it used to be that all these stations, news stations, or newspapers, and all these different were independently owned, family owned. You know, even our local media was once family owned. You know, and they lived in their communities. They had to answer to their communities. You know, they had to, you know, so when they put something in, it's just like the school board, you know, with us, we live in our community. You know, if we do something, people are going to come knocking on our door. Right. <laughs> right. And, and that's the way it used to be. But now you've got these mega conglomerate companies that own everything. And, you know, and really, you know, unless the local people are truly ethical and trying to do the right thing. And that's my experience is mostly local people are very ethical. Right. But when you start dealing with, with regional or state media or na- I mean, uh, national media, that, that goes out the door. You know, I have, I've had really bad experiences with the big networks, you know, with, uh, you know, CNN, Fox, all, I've had bad experiences with them where they reported on something. And really, I think we're, just trying to paint it as a bad thing instead of getting the full story. It was just like dumb West Virginians, you know? Oh yeah. Well, it's just, it's just like, you know, today, for example, we've, we've got everything from censorship or perceived censorship to sensationalism of news. 
some of the uh, the big hitters in the news industry during the past few years have admitted to just bold-faced lying about things uh, mm-hmm. just just to get a story. Uh, how do we tell the difference, Jed? How do we tell the difference whether this this is a made-up story or whether this guy really is reporting the news or how do we tell the difference? I think you have to become a reporter yourself. And uh, I'm going to give you an analogy that may not be super popular. Okay. But, you know, you know, I grew up, like I said, my, my parents were very involved in the church. I'm right. very, I'm very much a Christian, you know? Right. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and I used to try to reason why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, we're all the same thing, but slightly different. You right. You know what I mean? And I was like, you know, well, if this one says that and this one says that, but the essence of it is all the same, right? Right. Well, it's kind of, I kind of look like, look at them like the journalist of the day today, you know? And so if you see an event happening, you kind of have to look at multiple sources and then kind of reason, you know, don't just believe everything you read, but kind of reason, you know, between those sources for yourself, what's really going on. And I tell you, you know, my, you know, even in this last week where we've had the riots and all these things that are going on, you know, I wasn't sure I was getting a full picture of the news coverage myself. You know, and I'm very interested in this issue. And I was, I was, I was like, you know, so I started watching the, of all things, TikTok videos. Okay. Yeah. And I was watching TikTok videos of these kids with their cell phones on the front lines, just recording exactly what was going on, which is what, you know, where the reporters were like three blocks away. Right. Right. But I was seeing what was actually going on and I got kind of a fuller picture for myself of what was really happening. And as versus what I was seeing on the networks. And I thought, well, you know, and so I'm kind of a reporter myself, you know, when I consume media, I don't really believe anything. I, I tell my mom, you know, don't believe anything you see because it might just be one side or one thing. Right. You know, think about this, Jerry, you know, sometimes she'll, she'll tell me something about a uh, news story that's been on and it was like, oh, well, somebody was accosted doing this and it was some bizarre thing. Right. And I'll tell her, Mom, I said, that's one story out of how many million people in the United States? Right. One thing, you know. But because that got attention and, and, it, and it sells papers or sells TV, you know, or whatever, you know, that story gets all the attention. But really, it's not as big as what that story was. So when it comes to fact-checking a, a news story, we just, like you said, kind of got to be a reporter. I, one of the, yeah. one of the things that uh, I saw a little video clip. Uh, I can't remember the name in California, but these uh, Antifa thugs came in and were going to um, um, tear up Jack there in the town, like they have been everywhere else, you know. And a bunch of the citizens got together, and here was this guy with his little iPhone taking this video, and they just beat those thugs to a pulp. You know, and, uh, and, I saw, and and I saw that on the other side too, Jerry. Right. I saw it was like it was like, and that's what I was wondering, and because I was hearing one thing and then not the other, and then I was like, oh no, it's everywhere. This is uh, all over the place. Right. And and you wonder what channel you're watching, what story you're getting. You right. <laughs> and I want to know the truth. You know, what I mean, ultimately, the truth sets you free. Right. Yes. Ultimately, the truth sets you free. So you want to know the truth, and. 
if they're slanted and and it seems like they've become especially on the national level extremely slanted and uh so you have to not trust everything you watch and you have to and i think you have to look for reliable sources if you have a reporter that you grow to trust you know then you can kind of rely on that reporter to provide good information for instance like um and I'll tell you one that what and I and I watch reporters. I don't care if they're liberal or liberal or right, well, right. They got to be a good reporter. But like Andrea Mitchell has been on forever, right? You know? She's been with NBC News forever, and she's pretty consistently good about accurate information, right? And so like when I watch Andrea Mitchell, I pretty much know that she's doing a pretty good job. But you know, some of them, these younger people or some of the the newer people that are more into the Flash. You know, you have to make sure. You have to kind of watch it. Well, they're looking and to make a name for themselves. You know, a lot of yeah, a lot of the a lot of them are, and some of them are very ethical and just fine. But but you don't know the difference, and and the problem is, I think they have a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, with ratings and all those and money, revenue. You know, revenue for you know a lot of people aren't watching television like they used to. News, uh, national television, even you know. The audience is just a sliver of what it used to be for, like, the main network newscasts, you know, and that's because there's so many other things to do now. You know, you've got your social media, you've got all your YouTube, you've got 4,000 channels. If you've got, oh, yeah. <laughs> you can watch, you know, I can watch uh, Andy Griffith about any time I want, you know. <laughs> right. That, you know? And that you can learn a lot watching Andy Griffith, for sure. Right. I mean, you know. But, you know, even back in the 70s, Jed, and when I came through Marshall, they used to have what they called a speaker series that uh, they'd have different people come through. And I was a communications major, uh, and I, I had a minor in journalism. So I was I hung around those guys a lot, you know. And and uh, David Brinkley, of uh, the Huntley-Brinkley News yeah. Report, came, and he was on that speaker series and he came in to do a talk one night and I had the privilege of sitting down and listening to him talk. And one thing that he said, and remember this was back in probably 1969, 70, maybe. And uh, he said, made this statement and it's kind of stuck with me. He said, if the only news that you're getting is what you're watching on our 30-minute news broadcast on TV or an hour news broadcast, he says, you're getting very little news. That's right. And uh, I think that's what we got to remember because uh, you got all these reporters pitching their stories to some news editor somewhere who is going to decide what you hear and what you don't hear. Absolutely, yeah. And that's why you do have to kind of evaluate multiple sources. Don't just dedicate yourself to one. You have to be, uh, you know, like we talk about in education, being a lifelong learner, you really kind of have to be a a lifelong learner when it comes to what's going on in the world. You have to be about current events. And I think it keeps you young, too. You know, if you're, you know, it keeps your mind young to think about what's going on and, and to study different things. I watch different things. I watch YouTube reports. Sometimes I'm curious about something. I'll pull it up. But I'm a real consumer of news. I really always have been. I'm very interested in what's going on in the world. Political science minor, you know. Um, so all that really interests me. But I think that if you do that, you kind of come to a real truth yourself, you know. And you have to not trust those sources alone. 
Now, you know, and, and Jerry, when I'm talking about news in that way, the the more major it is, the less I trust it, okay? Now, local news people, I'm going to tell you, most of them are terrific. I've had, okay? I've had tremendous dealings with a lot of the local yeah. news folks when I was in education, you know. Yeah, if, if somebody from, I'm going to tell you what, WSCC, I worked there, and I can tell you, it was everything, every effort we had was focused on telling the truth. You know, we always worked on to be compelling, relevant, and truthful and in what we did. And we would, you know, if we were getting on, but but, but I found, you know, like, like working at WSAZ, they were dedicated to the truth in everything they did. And, uh, and that was really part of my ethic, you know, was seeing their dedication to being good citizens and being truthful. And, and that station to me is just, it's just a top-notch station. And, you know, if Tim Ear tells me something, I'll tell you what, I believe him. You know? Right. I know Tim Ear. I know, I know Amanda Barron. I know these people personally, myself. And they are good people. And, and they want to tell the truth. And, you know, not everybody that comes through does. You know, we had a reporter a few years ago that came from one of the other stations. And, uh, and she wasn't here very long. But she wasn't very much about the truth, you know, and, and I knew it. And I, you know, my antenna go up, of course. Well, uh, and, you know, a lot of them, some of them aren't very ethical. Like years ago, um, and I, uh, there was a reporter for the Herald-Dispatch, and I won't mention this person's name. But uh, but uh, most reporters, if you if they ask you something, you say, can I say this off the record? And they say, yes, that means off the record. This guy didn't mean anything. He asked my opinion on something uh, uh, one time, and I said, well, I can, I can give you an answer off the record, but I said, I, I don't want to be quoted on this. I can tell you what I, what I feel about it, but don't quote me on this. Well, the next day, I was in the newspaper quoting this, and about an hour later, I was in the superintendent's office saying, what in the world are you doing talking this stuff? You know? right, right. So, I mean... Well, an ethical <laughs> journalist, though, would tell you, if they can't t- put you off the record, they'll tell you that. They'll right. Say, you know, listen, I'm a journalist. I can't be off the record. You know. Right. You know what they tell us when we have edited. And the Herald Dispatch, by the way, does a very good job these days. I mean, really right. good job. Um, when I first started, it, there was a little rough time there. But but uh, and that was about the time you were talking about. Right. <laughs> but, Absolutely. Uh, but now these days, oh my gosh, they're they, they're really good to work with. Uh, but. When we go to the editorial board meetings, Jim Ross, he always tells us, uh, if you commit news, we'll commit journalism. Right. There you go. <laughs> you know, let's talk about newspapers just a second here, uh, just sure. a minute. You know, it used to be when I was growing up and, you know, in part of my young adulthood, there were two newspapers in Huntington. There was yes. the Herald-Dispatch and there was the Herald-Advertiser. They referred to one of them as a Democrat paper and one as the Republican paper, you know. But there was a morning paper and there was an evening paper. There were two editions a day. And now we've gotten to the point where they're only putting out six issues a week. Uh, You know, they're not putting out an issue on Monday. Uh, What about newspaper, Jed? Are are they a thing of the past when when us old codgers that that read newspaper (laughs) die off? Are are they a thing of the past? What do you think? I think they are. I think if they can transform, and I think they're starting to figure out how to transform for a digital world, 
you know, but it, I think the newspaper itself, yes, it's probably about over as far as getting a paper. Um, you know, they're printing the, the Huntington paper in Charleston now. They don't even have their presses running now. Right. And that's, you know, and that's just economics because people are consuming other kinds of media. And, uh, but I will say something about newspapers. Newspapers do more in-depth reporting than anyone else. Correct. You know, they do more study, they do more deeper, and, and continuing over time. You know, they, they continue to cover a story over time. When a lot of times, you know, TV stations a lot of times will do one story and then it'll move on, you know. And, um, um, but, and, and that's because, look at the market. I mean, you look at the TV market, it's absolutely huge. Right, right. right. Whereas the Herald-Dispatch essentially serves the Huntington area, you know, this, this little tri-state area here. Not the entire metro, you know, that's, that goes to Charleston and all those areas. and You know, so they have so much more to cover that, that they can't go as deep in anything. You know, they, it's more broad. Right. And then the newspaper is, is, is less deep, but it's more broad. I mean, less broad, but it's more deep. Right. And Just so like- I think there is a real place for that kind of journalism because, you know, I, I, you know, I can hear something on the news, but I don't really know a lot about it until I read the paper. Right. Just like magazines, a lot of magazines, news magazines, and different different ones. I like magazines, but my goodness, they'll just about give you the magazine anymore. I mean, they'll send you some special deal where you can get a subscription to a news magazine for five bucks a year or something, and they're they're doing that, I guess, just so they can have the advertising and and yeah, and get that out. Probably advertising, right? And offset the cost of the printing, but eventually. The printing keeps getting more and more expensive, more and more, and they can't make uh, enough money. So I think if they if they can all transition to digital, and you know this COVID thing has really forced a lot of us. To yes, it has. Yeah, if I mean we put the school district, the entire school district, online almost overnight. Right. It was amazing. I can't believe what we were able to do thanks to the technology that is available. Now I think it's moved a lot of businesses a lot faster that way. I think the newspapers, you know, for instance, a lot of them have been have been using paywalls and things like that. I don't think that that's going to work in the in the long run because there's so much free content, you know. Right. So they they have to figure out ways to, you know, to to make you want to invest in the product that they are serving. And I think they're kind of all kind of working on that model. Um, and and over time, I think they'll figure it out, you know. But I think the old traditional newspaper will go away. But I hope. That the in-depth reporting doesn't. Yeah, I agree. And one point you brought up a while ago about uh, being a news hound and being interested in it. You know, we've come to expect instant news. You know, I mean, once they launched those uh, satellites and uh, you could watch the Olympics happening in Japan or you could watch a news story unfold in the Middle East... Uh, you could sit and watch on TV and watch uh, U.S. fighter jets bomb strategic targets in Iraq and different places, you know. I mean, you know, we've we've come accustomed to that, and that's what we want now. We want that instant gratification. Yeah. But it lacks the intelligence. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And And that's when I was talking about the training of a journalist. 
is the training of a journalist is to look at the deeper story, to ask deeper questions, to find meaning, you know, inside of what the story, what what is going on. Right. You know, so, you know, you can watch the rocket launch uh, live on YouTube. And, and I did that myself. I watched the SpaceX launch you know, right. live on YouTube. And, and so you watch that live on YouTube. But I really didn't know a whole lot about what was going on until I started searching out some information from journalists, you know, who had reported about all the history of all this and why NASA's doing this. And, right. You know, and I was like, oh, OK, well, you know, but I didn't really I can watch it live, but I didn't have any context. And that's what journalism provides you is a context for all the, the events in the world, you know, and uh, and and hopefully they're providing accurate context. But, you know, like I said, you've got to be your own reporter. Right. Well, Jed, goodness sakes, we have uh, taken uh, one episode here, and I think we've turned it into two, which is a good thing, <laughs> because uh, that that's what I like about the podcast format. You really don't have to get in a hurry. You get into a nope. good in- interview, and and we try to keep our podcasts around 25 minutes or so, which I think is a good good time for an audio podcast. But we don't have to be tied to the clock like we do on commercial radio. Uh, we just divide it into two episodes, and uh, and we can do that. And, boy, GarageBand and other programs like that have certainly made it easy, easy for us uh, uh, not too tech-savvy people to do. It's just, it's just a miracle what you can do with that program. But, boy, oh, boy, have I had a good time talking with you today, Jed. I, I mentioned to you earlier today I, I had a suggestion from one of our listeners to do a um, little series on the history of WSAZ and uh, I might be calling on you again maybe to talk a little bit about that Uh, uh, there's a coffee table book I've got sitting right here in the next room on my coffee table which is about uh, friends we grew up with and I understand you had a part in putting that book together uh, yeah, oh yeah. about WSAZ and and what and now I have been told this maybe you can maybe you can squash this rumor or confirm it <laughs> uh, back when they were picking out names for um, and call signs for radio and TV stations oh, I know what you're going I know where you're going uh, WSAZ I was told by Dottie Johnson. Now, yes, whether she yes. was whether she was just uh, making that up or whether it was the truth, but she said they called it WSAZ uh, because they said they're the worst station, worst A, station to Z. A to Z. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. I knew it. I knew it. I don't know if that's true at all. <laughs> I don't either. I don't know if that's true at all. I've read about Huey Long and and all you know and all that. Am I right? Is it wrong? I can't remember his last name now. But I've read about the, how they found it and everything, but I have never been able to confirm that. Right. And uh, I don't know if that's just local legend or if that's... Uh, that's a good story. <laughs> it's a good story. It's a good story. It's like Ford. You know right. What I mean? Fix or repair. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, um, no, it's... Uh, uh, WSAZ is certainly one of the pioneers and, and one of the guys on the front of that boat, Jewel Huffman... Uh, Wow. I love Jewel. Oh, I love great guy. I had the pleasure of working with him when I worked there and in, 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 up to his retirement. And uh, he was, oh, my God, he was such a bubbly, fun, you know, bigger-than-life guy. And we'd go play racquetball or race go-karts or, you know, in his in his before his retirement even. He was just like, 
just the greatest guy, and he cared about kids and oh, people. Yeah. And, uh, and and he loved to tell me stories about Andy Williams. He oh, yeah. With Andy Williams. Oh, I'm telling you, Jewel Huffman could sing. And oh, uh, he, oh. they, they had, he hosted, um, uh, he and, uh, was it Jim Sturm? Uh, uh, they had uh, that Saturday Night Jamboree, Harry Mills and the Haylofters. And, well, yeah. it, it, My dad it, used to direct that some. Wow. And uh, that was one of the shows he when he was a director there years ago. Oh, my God. That's back when and they he, had live TV, you know. Dean Sturm. Dean Sturm. Dean Sturm. Thinking, yeah, Dean yeah, Sturm. Dean Sturm. Yeah, yeah, Dean That's Sturm. right. But, boy, those. Yeah, it was live TV. And I was so excited because, you know, I used to, you know, watch all that and think it. And when I got there at the station, we we were still doing a few live shows. We were still doing Mr. Cartoon, and we did a uh, Sunday morning church show, and we did um, something else. Oh, the the uh, the farmers report. Farmers report, yeah. Yeah, we would do that, and uh, and and then it slowly, slowly but surely, we stopped doing more of those kind of shows because those are fun. You know, like when we do the MDA telethon. Right. It was a lot of fun, and uh, because it was different, you know, it's just crazy. You know, the news, you get used to your format, and it's kind of like, oh, it's the same thing, you know. But but it's fun when you get live TV and anything can go wrong at any moment. It's well, to, to this day, my two children, my daughter who is 42, my son who is 40, they'll probably tell you one of their fondest memories is when they were on the Mr. Cartoon Show. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was a great thing. The kids came in, and he was so kind and so good with those kids. and played games with them, and, and it was just a wonderful thing. So when we get into that series here in a few weeks, Jed, it might be it might be ringing you up again. Would that be okay? Absolutely, and I'll probably get you in touch with some people too. That'd be great. Well, Jed, once again, it's totally been my pleasure. I appreciate you taking your time. You know, I've said many times the greatest gift that someone can give you is time because you can never get that back, and you've taken your time to be with us here on the Be Boomer Unleashed uh, podcast, and I really appreciate it, and we will uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. I, I appreciate your friendship, and I appreciate what you do for Cabell County Schools. Well, it's my privilege to be here, and I'm so, so thankful that you're doing well. Thank you, Jed. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed uh, that interview with Jed Flowers as much as I did. But that's all the time we have for today. Now, next week, we'll more than likely conclude our discussion regarding the evolution of news and journalism, I think, but maybe not. But anyway, I hope you'll join us as we wrap up this topic. But until then, have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye. Goodbye.